This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Lots to get through today. Can I give you three words that will change your life? Keep it simple. It's a very human quality to make things complicated, but whether it's a wedding or a work assignment or a day out with your friends, you keep it simple. Okay, let's imagine, look at now how you have all these stag do's, you know, the bachelor parties and the hen do's in which a group of friends go out and give their mate their last night of freedom and they get wildly drunk. And these days it's got very expensive and very elaborate. So people go off to Las Vegas and Prague and Amsterdam. Normally uh, they get the young groom, the prospective groom, to fornicate with a stranger. Surely that's not the best foundation for a marriage. You have to wonder, don't you? Oh my God, all the stuff they do. They go to Australia. Who's got the budget to go to Australia for a stag do? Have you lost your mind? Every penny that that young man has should be funneled towards his future marriage. A deposit on a flat or a house, savings, that kind of thing. Uh, not some crazy trip abroad, but this is what happens. In the old days, a stag do was a very simple affair. You met your friends. You went to the pub, you had a few beers. Then you went and got a curry. And then you sat in a nightclub with your mates and stared at women you will never have. And that was the stag do. That's what it was, a night out, a curry and a couple of beers and a club. How simple? Well, that's when stag do's were great. So little could go wrong. It was less expensive and it was just old school. And therefore, I think that's the way to go. Whatever it is you're doing, if you're planning a trip, let's say you're going to Paris for three days, don't pack it with an itinerary, you know, Google in advance, have a look around. There's a couple of museums where you need to sort of book beforehand. That's fine. Get that in. But otherwise, just have a nice blank canvas and you get to Paris and just see how it all plays out. It's the same in the work environment. Keep it simple. Keep your messaging simple. You know, this company needs to improve its marketing. We need a clear message. That's what you say in the meeting. You don't waffle on for hours and hours. There's a real power in keeping your message simple, short and clear. So whatever you're doing in your life, even if you're having a dinner party, that's another one. Oh my God, keep it simple. You know, when people throw a dinner party and they're trying to do like little volovons and they're trying to do these little pastries like in the, the Great British Bake Off and they've got sort of, you know, there's going to be a sorbet served in between the two courses and then there's going to be profiteroles and there's going to be this and it's going to just keep it simple. So when I have a dinner party, I try to go for one main signature dish, which is basically an enormous saucepan with one thing in it. So a classic is Irish stew 
what you do is you chop up some lovely grass-fed beef from your local supermarket, the cheapest part of the cow, get the stewing steak, you chop it all up, and then you chop in onions and a bit of thyme, some stock and water, and then you just bubble it away for three hours. Then you can add a little corn flour to thicken it, and that is the most amazing stew. That's the Irish stew. And if you want to give it the Irish twist, you add a little Guinness whilst it's cooking. And you just serve that right. How simple is this, right? Lovely, gorgeous, hot, bubbling Irish stew and baguettes. Okay, and then a big salad. So the people arrive for dinner. They sit down, obviously lots of drinks. You want the drinks to flow. Make sure that you've catered for the non-drinkers as well. But a couple of drinks at the beginning of the evening, people can kind of get their appetite ready. Keep the snacks really simple. A bowl of crisps, some peanuts, a little dip. That's enough. Okay, do not overload them that early in the evening. You want them to have a couple of drinks, get in the zone, play some lovely music, and then it's time for dinner. And you sit them down and there's a big, massive bowl of salad. And that's just going to be, you just get yourself, buy a couple of iceberg lettuces, chop it up, grate some carrots into there, chuck a few tomatoes in, whatever you've got in the fridge, a little bit of spring onion, and then some balsamic vinegar and a splash of olive oil, twist of salt, job done. The world's simplest, easiest salad. And people will say, oh, it's a lovely salad. What's the dressing? You know, people often compliment the simplest of dishes. So everyone starts with a nice big salad, goes around, let them serve themselves, you know, pass the bowl around, right? Don't wait on these people hand and foot. They don't want it. They don't expect it. So they've started with a big salad and then you bring out this massive saucepan, this enormous prison-like saucepan, okay, with a ladle and you just get each plate. Someone passes you a plate each time and you put the ladle like a prison, like a prison cook and you just dump that lovely thick delicious Irish stew in its gorgeous gravy and that by now after three hours of simmering the meat is as tender as you can you can possibly hope for you dump that on the plate you pass it around and then they just have lovely crusty baguette on the side and what they can do is they can use the baguette to wipe up the gravy the sauce from the Irish stew so a big salad big old Irish stew and a couple of crunchy baguettes. By the way, it's a great thing. I know it's obvious, but let me let me indulge in the obvious. It's fantastic to bake your baguettes in the oven before you serve it. It doesn't need long, right? So you're looking for, if it's the day of the dinner party, you buy it, depending on the size of the group, but buy two or three baguettes from your favorite bakery. And then just pop it in the oven for 60 seconds on a good heat before you then cut it up and serve it. And what will happen is when you slice open the baguette, steam will pour out of it. It just gives bread fresh life, popping it in the oven. And you're crisping up the outside as well. So crispy and crunchy on the outside, fluffy and steamy in the middle and loads of butter. Make sure that everyone's got access to butter. Okay, that's very important. I'm a great believer in butter and I believe that all butter should be salted. I'm horrified by the existence of unsalted butter. What the hell were they thinking? Unsalted butter, butter, excuse me, unsalted, not unsalted bottoms. Can you please behave yourself? You are a disgrace. Do you know that? Unsalted butter 
is very popular in the continent. It's very popular in Italy. And there's not much, let's be honest, in relation to food, there's not much they get wrong. But unsalted butter, I, I think you realise, when it's not salted, you realise that actually whisper it, butter's not actually that nice. But the salt makes the butter delicious. It makes it delicious. Delicious. I love butter. I can eat butter on its own. You know that this programme is a low-carb show. <clears throat> and if you go back to a previous episode, we did a low-carb special in which I explained the low-carb diet. It's one of the first ever episodes we did. Um, <clears throat> something that's excellent if you're a low-carber is if you're a bit hungry, you can just have a teaspoon of salted butter, just put it in your mouth and bang, you won't be hungry for a couple of hours. It fixes hunger. And because it's fat, it's not going to spike your insulin, which means that your fat burning will continue. What's not to like? Plus, butter is a cheap ingredient and natural. So lots of butter, salted butter, crusty baguette, Irish stew, big salad. What's not to like? How good is that? Isn't it brilliant? And that is a dinner party. Let me tell you, no one is going to complain about lovely Irish stew, big salad, crusty baguette, lashings of salted butter, proper yellow butter, really yellow. My auntie used to leave the butter overnight in the kitchen. She said it doesn't need to go in the fridge. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. The butter can be at the party. The butter can be room temperature if you so wish, because it will make it easy for people to spread it. And that is a lovely, lovely dinner. And your friends will be so happy because, yeah, they've had a few drinks. And when you've had a few drinks, stuff like Irish stew is exactly what you want because it's kind of rich and it's in a gravy and it's just filling and delicious and it's salty and it's a bit fatty and it's beefy and it's just. <laughs> now, listen, I've got so many amazing vegetarian and vegan listeners and viewers. And let me tell you, it doesn't have to be beef. Can I recommend corn? Corn, which is a mycoprotein. It's just basically a genius, I believe, British invention. And it's somehow related to mushroom, but it's a lot like meat. And you can buy corn fillets frozen from the supermarket. And of course, corn does not require the three hour treatment. It's naturally tender. So that dish, if you're doing a corn Irish stew, it'll take you take you 20 minutes, half an hour. So that's a brilliant one for the veggies and the vegans. You also don't have to use the beef stock either. But don't forget the Guinness. You can use vegetable stock. Um, the other thing I'm a big fan of with these stews is, like I said earlier, whatever you've got in the fridge. So I did a stew recently and we were chucking cabbage in there. We had a few carrots i had a couple of spring onions a bit of garlic it was a free-for-all anything i could get my hands on I just threw it in no one cares it's going to add to this amazing melange by the end of it but compare that to some of the dinner parties where people try to like organize this really complicated little dishes in an individual pastry and it's got a sort of special sauce on the side and then there's different courses and just can't imagine anything worse. Can I tell you, keep it simple, right? One of the best, best, best sort of dinner parties I've ever been to wasn't a dinner party at all. So what happened is we turned up, there was loads of booze. They had a cheese table 
and cold cuts of meat. That was it, right? And then baguette. That's where I got the baguette idea. So, um, <clears throat> what they had was essentially the massive cheese board, right? So there was like brie and there was cheddar, red Leicester, Roquefort, which is a blue one, Stilton, which is another blue one, all these different camembert, fabulous, just a range of cheeses, right? loads of it, unlimited. And then they also had salami and they had a bit of um, parma ham, parma prosciutto, as the Italians call it, parma prosciutto. And then they had stuff like uh, they had a couple of jars of condiments, you know, so they had, I think, some like onion chutney. Is that what it's called? Onion marmalade, that kind of thing. A couple of lovely tart little sweet and sour sauces to go with it. Anyway, so we had a few drinks and then we just got stuck in. And we grabbed a bit of baguette and we had some cheese and a bit of bit of the salami and none of it ran out. It was very economical for the host because they just had to go supermarket and just buy like a load of cheese and a bit of salami. It wasn't, you know, I mean, a stick of salami is a very good value item, very high in protein. There's nothing else, is there? It's just processed meat all squashed together in a tube. What's not to like? So I really, really, really loved that dinner party. And it made me realise how good a party can be with the most minimum of offering, which is just unlimited cheese with a variety and cold meats. There wasn't even any salad but it was enough. And you've had a few drinks and you think, oh, I could just do with some of that. I could do with some of that. Oh, that was the other one I forgot to mention. They had pickle, you know, like Branston's pickle, that lovely, gorgeous, sweet onion pickle in a brown sauce in a jar. That was brilliant. So you have, it's like a cheese plowman's, isn't it? It's kind of what they talk about. But you've had a couple of drinks and then you get a slab of cheese and a crusty baguette. Yum, yum, yum. Bit of salami. So good. So keep it simple, whatever you're doing, whether it's a day out to the zoo. Just identify with the kids. Let's hope you're going with kids, because if you're going on your own, that's just strange and weird and creepy. I think it's creepy. But if you're going, let's say, with kids, identify which creatures are at the top of the list. And you can say, right, well, we want to see the monkeys. We want to see the gorillas. That's a kind of same genre, isn't it? So we want to see monkeys slash gorillas. We want to see, we want to go into the butterfly area because I do love a butterfly. And then we also want to see the hippopotamuses, the hippopotami. And so that's all you do. You keep it simple. That is the plan for the day. And then if there's time to see other things, that's lovely. But you've achieved three things because you, three things you kept it simple. Uh, the other big thing, if you're on a day out, is have a break in the middle of the day and don't let it be too late. Now, I'm a big fan of skiing and I've got relatives who will basically they're very fit and they're very experienced on the mountains. But that means the lifts close at four. Right. So they'll they'll just ski until about three and then they'll grab like a late lunch. That's just shocking. That's terrible. That's unacceptable because the whole point is that you enjoy the day and that you pace yourself. So I think the idea is that you ski in the morning and then when you get to one o'clock, that's when you down tools and relax and you get your lovely meal. You fill up. Skiing is demanding. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Right. You warm up as well. You're, you're, you're very cold. And you have, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, make sure you're back on the slopes by two. 
And then you've got two lovely hours of skiing with a full tummy of food. Not not grabbing the lunch at the last minute, three o'clock. What's the point in wolfing down lunch? Then a couple of a couple of lifts, then you go home. It makes no sense. So if you're on a day out, space out the breaks and make sure it works for the whole group. Now, a couple of things I need to just plug in the old iPhone because, um, oh, can I do that, though? This is complicated. Oi, 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 oi. I've got a little bit of um, a technical issue, which is that the old camera has. Will that work? Will that work? We're going to find out if it works. We'll hear a little sound. Well, we shall hope for the best, shall we not? So, yeah, um, keep it simple. It works in every walk of life, right? Whatever you do, when you finish this podcast, as you go about your life, just see how if you can simplify everything. I'll give you an example. I was in an Austrian supermarket over Christmas and I had purchased a couple of their underpants, which I really liked. It was a very cheap, it was kind of like the Austrian Primark and it's called Kik, K-I-K, don't know what it stands for. It's a great business, they're good people. It's got, a, it's a massive shop staffed by one and a half human beings. I just don't know who does the work. I don't know who does the folding. Is there anyone in the stockroom? It's a bloody miracle, that place. Anyway, I love it. If ever you're in Austria, check out Kick. They sell a lot of fleeces, a lot of hats and gloves, and then just random things like, well, they've got children's toys and underwear, as I was about to mention, and stationery. Yeah, there's just some pens in there and batteries and then like a little bit of stuff for the garden. I beg your pardon. What kind of place is this? How high on drugs were they when they created the format, the retail format of Kick? But it does seem like the Austrians and the Germans, they like to have a shop that does lots of different things, don't they? Let's not forget the Lidl and Aldi, which are both great German supermarkets, have the middle aisle, which is full of random stuff like hammer drills and fishing rods, as well as children's wellies. It is surreal. But anyway, there you go. So um, Kick was great. And I'd bought a couple. It was actually an emergency. I was a bit low on the underpantage. So they were eye-wateringly good value. I think it was six euros for a pair. Now, would you not agree that's cheap? That's three euros per underpants, which would be about, what, £2.50 or something? £2.60 British money. So maybe a fiver for two pairs of underpants. I'll take that. I'll take this. Maybe not the cheapest you'll get, but these underpants are really well made. 100% polyester. I just like the fit. And I liked the shape and I liked the colour and they were sort of grey and they were just like all together. Thumbs up. Yes, please. So I bought a couple of pairs, a, a pair, like a pack of two. And anyway, I really liked them. And... On my return to Austria, I went and bought an absolute load more. So I think I bought six pairs at least. Which is 36 euros, isn't it? 
for 12 underpants. That's not bad, is it? For underpants that you really like. Thing is also, these are polyester, which means they will never die. They can't shrink. They will survive the nuclear apocalypse. And being worn by me during what is always a very lively and demanding day. Because I live, as you know, life on the edge. My underpants have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. NGL, that means not going to lie. It's the first letter of each word, one after the other. And I cannot tell you how I love just having one type of underpant. It makes me so happy because I wake up in the morning and I just reach out and I just grab that underpant and it goes on. It's so simple. It's so simple. And they're not different sizes. I haven't got to engage and use my brain. You're talking to someone. Keep your message simple. Let's say you're in a job interview. You're very clear in your head of what you're bringing to the job. I will bring value. I will bring energy. I will bring ideas. I will bring enthusiasm. I will bring experience. Bang, bang, bang. That didn't take long. How many words was that? It was like 25 words. Nothing. You got the whole message across. Chuck in a few examples. My experience, I've spent 10 years in this industry. I took this company from 10% market share to 15% market share. Here are my references. You know, just less is more. Keep it simple. Pare it all down. No one... Remember, this show should be called The 5% because I want to place you in the top 5% of all human beings. And it is those people in the top 5% who are very clear, who are very succinct, who cut to the chase. So that's uh, important and necessary. I hope you enjoyed the simple chat. I'm very passionate about it. Steve Jobs, who is one of my heroes, the founder of Apple, his focus when it came to design, the design of Apple products was simplicity and minimalism and the idea that less is more. I mean, look at Apple's logo. It's just an apple which has got a bit part bitten out of it. It doesn't even say Apple. It's just an apple. It's completely minimal. What about his devices? You know, it's just the, the MacBook Pro. It's just clean lines and it's smooth and it's it's. um. It's a thing of minimal beauty. Less is more. Now, lots to get through today. Lots to tell you about. First of all, can I remind you the importance of deadlines? Because I missed an important strategic deadline a few weeks ago. It was, to be fair, not my fault. It was out of my hands. But essentially, a deadline was missed to get some documentation over to an organisation. And I should have just been more across that deadline. Because then I could have anticipated, oh, well, we might have a delay here and this could be a problem. And I feel like we might have got the job done. And it's not a problem because remember, every mistake once. This is the mantra of the show. So I didn't beat myself up about it. I just thought, OK, you missed that deadline. It's not the end of the world at all. But it's a good learning moment. So what I want you to do, if you don't already have one, would you consider having a calendar on your phone? Now, a lot of phones come with a calendar, which is great. So you can use that. But you can also download one. If you've got a Gmail account, it will back up the calendar to your, your Gmail 
in the cloud. It means that if you change your phone or if you lose your phone, you log back into that calendar and all of your appointments will, will be there. So I'm a big fan of the Gmail calendar, but I think I think probably quite a few of the mail services offer calendar support. Um, look into it. It may even be that the calendar on your own phone backs up. But grab an online calendar and when there are important deadlines coming, put them in that calendar and you can even put the deadline, you can put a note in the calendar seven days until the deadline. So you've got two notes in the calendar, you've got the deadline date and then you've got maybe a week beforehand, the warning that the deadline is coming. So let's say it's tax return, tax return 31st of January. So that goes in as tax return due. Why don't you have another one, which is seven days before, and it says prepare tax return. And you'll hit that deadline. It's just, I know it sounds obvious, but the number of people who do miss important deadlines, and it can really be a problem, you know, passport application, job application, even something fun like arranging a holiday, paying a deposit to the venue, whatever it is. Um, take those deadlines seriously and get get ahead of them. You know, I was saying earlier in a previous show that being early is a superpower. And, and I anyone listening to this that knows me will be laughing because they know that I struggle with time management. So I'm not going to pretend I'm brilliant with it, but I'm, I'm working on it and I understand the importance of it. And it's the same thing with deadlines. So I've got some work stuff coming up in a week and a bit's time. And a brilliant colleague said, let's meet now rather than a few days before we start work, because then it's a bit stressful and some of the things we want to do, it's too late. So let's do that thing. Let's get ahead of that curve. So there you go. Identify all the important deadlines and don't let bureaucracy catch you out because the number of times you, know, you call this the organization, it's a bank or an insurance company or something. And you say, well, please, please. Will you? And they're like, nope, I'm afraid you've missed the deadline. And it's gone. You feel so terrible. It's a crushing feeling. So make yourself the deadline king and the deadline king. I mean, sometimes it can be very important. It can be a school application on behalf of your child. That's how important, how significant it could be. I've got a friend whose dad had, a, had an American passport. And if he'd applied for a U.S. passport for his son, before his son turned 18, he would have an American passport. And his dad never got round to it. His dad missed the deadline. And now that guy doesn't have an American passport. And he'd love to, because if he had an American passport, he could go to America and he could like work and live there. And that would be amazing. It's really hard to go and work and live in America. You need a green card and you need this and you need that. It's not easy. He missed out on an American passport because his dad missed the deadline. So don't make that mistake. A to-do list is brilliant. We talked about goals last week, but a to-do list, write down all the things you've got to do because you're, you're like one of those waiters in a French restaurant. You think you're going to remember that it's the Chateau Briand and it's the frog legs and it's the uh, croque monsieur. There you go. I've run out of examples of French dishes. Uh, cock over, duck à l'orange. Um, you won't remember. So have a to-do list and write it all down. 
it will change your life. So you've got lots of jobs today. Keep it simple. Have a calendar with deadlines in it. The to-do list. A um, couple of other great hacks let me offer you. I was jogging with my son last week and we were struggling because we were on holiday and we were in Italy and we were running up this really steep hill up to another town in the mountains. It was just a good non-stop climb. And that's hard because you're hot, you're sweating, you're out of breath and your legs are tired because you're running up this hill. It's exhausting. But what we did is we started to chat and I said to him, if you could have any five cars in the world, you know, old cars, cars from history, new cars, whatever it is, what would they be? And he started running up. We're running and he sort of says, well, I might get a, a Lamborghini and I might get a a Ford Mustang and all these ideas, you know, and I, I offered a few. One of my favorite, all-time favorite cars is the Mercedes SL convertible from the 1980s. The car that Bobby Ewing drove in Dallas. I think that was a red Mercedes-Benz. I always think the cars that you dream of are the ones that you... The, I think the cars that were amazing when you were a kid are the cars you dream of. So in the 80s, I was growing up and that car was the car to have. I find new cars in 2023 quite boring. But back in the day, that was the car to have. So anyway, we went through it. So we're running up the halfing and puffing. And by the way, it's not that easy talking and running at the same time. But a miraculous thing happened, which is that we got to our destination and we forgot we were running. And the reason why is because we sort of distracted ourselves our mind was elsewhere we weren't thinking about our tired muscles we weren't thinking how out of breath we were we weren't thinking how dehydrated we were we were trying to think what would be the perfect five cars to have it was a fun game because we were kind of thinking that you'd want one car which is a sort of the practical runaround for the supermarket uh, then you've got maybe the sort of weekend car for day trips and holidays and things like that then you've maybe got the car for all seasons a kind of off-roader sort of things, you know, all the different options, you know, a vintage car, something ultra modern, something fast, something practical, you know, it's quite a fun game, really, when you think about it. We actually upgraded the game um, with a discussion about what different outfits we would wear for each of the cars. How about that? So I was going to go for a very vintage Lamborghini, but not too much like a sports car, it's sort of a coupe with two seats in the back. It's a good length, good size, good boot. So almost like a family-friendly sports car. Built, I believe, in the early 1970s. Lovely car. Probably priceless now. And I said that I would wear a tweed suit with a really smart shirt and a knitted silk tie and polished brogue shoes. I would be ultra smart for that car. But anyway, this is not important. What is important is that we were having an uncomfortable time running up this hill and we distracted our minds with something completely different. And it meant we forgot that we were running and we reached our destination without any problem at all. So if you're doing anything difficult, if you're struggling a bit, then especially when it comes to some physical endeavor, think about other things, Just deploy your mind elsewhere that's not a bad thing if you're struggling to sleep. Start planning your next holiday or maybe your dream holiday. It's a great thing. 
you can dream about who your perfect partner would be if you're single, just you know, race through your mind. Who would be the most eligible partner for you? But you distract yourself and bang, you're asleep. It works very well. The brain is very trickable. And the trick is that if you're struggling with something, think about something else and you will become detached from that which you are doing. It's a marvellous thing. Right, we are, we're, we're coming close to the crescendo of the show. Um, I want to give you another top tip. And this is about creating your work habitat. So things have changed, haven't they? And now a lot of people work from home. A lot of people work in cafes. Some people are back in the office, but we'll never have, I don't think, as many people in the office as we used to. And if you're in the office and, and if you were in the office, that's very hard, isn't it, to make that workspace lovely and comfortable and delightful for you. Now, people do try to personalise their workspace, you know, maybe a picture of of the family, um, maybe some happy birthday cards from when they had their birthday and all the lovely staff had a whip round and got them a present or something, you know, a few little mementos, uh, maybe a sticker on the computer, which is some inspiring message like keep it simple, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's very difficult, isn't it, to really nurture your own habitat in the office. But many people are not in the office anymore. So if you are at home, just as in the bedroom, we should nurture that to be the place of rest with proper curtains that make the room dark. Maybe with soft colours in there. I'm a big fan of dark bed sheets. I just think if the bed sheets are black or navy blue, it just darkens everything. I feel like that sends restful vibes rather than bright white sheets. And let's not forget black sheets hide a multitude of sins. NGL, that means not going to lie. It's the first letter of each word, one after the other. But it's the same for your home office or a desk you're working at at home. Get rid of all the clutter. And if you can't face it, if you can't face getting rid of all the clutter, I've got the most disgraceful Mark Dolan hack, which Mrs. Dolan will tell you is outrageously naughty. But you can... Um, You can get a bin bag and just chuck everything in the bin bag, right? So let's say you've got a desk and there's loads of bits and bobs on there. Just chuck it all in a bin bag, put it in a cupboard somewhere and just resolve, maybe even a date in the diary when you're going to go through what's in that bag and really sort it out. So you're only allowed the bin bag strategy if you promise to address what's in that bin bag, I'd say within within a month, Okay. So put it in that Google Calendar diary of yours, empty bin bag by dot, dot, dot date. But I have occasionally cleared my desk just by doing that with the bin bag approach. And then there's loads of stuff on the desk, so like old batteries, coins, uh, hand cream, pens that don't work, just stuff. Chuck it all in a bag. You've got a clear desk. Empty that room. Just get everything out. Because if you've got a clear, empty desk and maybe you position yourself so you're you're maybe near a window. So you've got good light and that can inspire you. 
Uh, maybe you could organise to have a little loudspeaker next to you so that you can play music as you work, because that will make the work more palatable. You think, well, I've got to do this horrible company report, but at least I'm listening to some amazing music. Create a playlist for yourself so that it's one great song after another. And maybe you can motivate yourself. Maybe you've got a playlist which is an hour long and you think, right, I've got this company report to do. I'm going to start the playlist and I'm going to begin working. And when the playlist ends, that's when I've got to take a break and when I've got to stop. So it compresses it all. That's very motivating. And you get a little reward. You leave the room, go and make a cup of tea, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe that's when you do your social media or call a friend or just chill out a little bit. And then you get back straight back into it. Playlist number two. Um, another thing, by the way, which isn't bad, it, uh, when I started working in the world of real work, uh, I worked um, for a company that did sort of telephone sales and stuff like that, and and they just had a they just had a radio on, and it was just the radio, and it was quite nice because it was a bit like company, you know, it was just I think it was speech radio, and it's like interviews and little features and stuff like that. So it means you're kind of working, and then you're also along the side, you're getting little bits of information. I've got an uncle in Ireland who's very good at doing more than one thing. So he can read the newspaper whilst watching TV and listening to radio all at the same time. He can achieve, he can consume three forms of media. Gleichzeitig, that's German for at the same time. Absolutely brilliant. So you create your work environment. Maybe you get yourself a nice comfy chair, get the best chair you can find. A chair, your favourite chair in, in, in the house, or maybe you even invest in a chair that works for you. Get the desk in the right position and you've got your little loudspeaker maybe you want headphones so you're completely insulated from the world it's quite nice to get those over the ear headphones because you don't even need music you just are cocooned in your own space that's another option get the lighting right as well so just a single ugly light in the room in the middle is not going to cut it why don't you get yourself a couple of side lights so that the lighting is indirect. It's just more attractive. It's much nicer. And that way you can actually switch off the middle light and have the indirect lighting. Uh, let me offer you a top tip. Amazon sell lights for podcasts and stuff like that. And I'm actually using one. Maybe I can wave it at you if you're watching. Look at that. It's an LED light. And it's a very kind of clean white LED light which, as I mentioned in the previous show, I'm not the biggest fan of that colour exclusively. So you could get actually a warm yellow. Um, actually, these these podcast lights, they tend to come with different filters. So you can change the shade of light based upon the filter that's in front of them. They've got like red, orange, yellow and clear. But they're really cheap. A couple of those would be good. If you situated a couple of those in front of you, that would help you to combat seasonal adjust uh, seasonal adjusted syndrome which is basically called sad and sad is is basically where people get depressed and they get low because they're not getting enough natural sunlight because it's winter it's called sad and you can buy a sad lamp and what a sad lamp will do is it will replicate the sun by generating what's called 10,000 lux which is the same sort of light you get from the sun, from natural daylight, but you get it out of the lamp. Well, a couple of these podcast lamps in front of you, I'm sure approximate to about 10,000 lux. And I certainly get energy when I do this podcast and I switch on those 
LED lights. They do perk me up. They put me in a good mood. And um, so I, I, I've got to say that I now, even when I'm not doing the podcast, if I'm sat here at my desk, I put them on whilst I'm working and it just enlivens me. It wakes me up. So LED lights for podcasts, check that out on Amazon and other retailers are available. But yeah, I mean, bring in your favorite rug. Drag the cat in. If you find that it's easy to work with a cat around, bring the cat in and bring the cat's uh, little basket in here. And even the cat's food bowl so that the cat has a reason to come in. Anything to create a really nice home working environment for you. A work habitat. Another thing that might work, a friend of mine likes to mix it up a bit. So he'll do a morning working from home, WFH. That means work from home. It's the first letter of each word, one after the other. And then in the afternoon, like he's got a bit bored. He got sick of it. He's got under-motivated. In the afternoon, he'll go off to a Starbucks or some other coffee shop and it just gets him out of the house. He's a member of a gym, a fitness center. Sometimes he'll just go and do his work. He'll take his laptop to the gym and he sits in the cafe and does a bit of work and then he'll go into the sauna he might even take his work to the pub in the evening and have a little bit of a of a beverage and then just catch up on a bit of work or a bit of reading or finish his emails or whatever. But that's what my friend does is he's an itinerant worker where he finds work habitats all over the place. He's a bit like a cat going from one house to another and getting food from everyone. So whether it's your own workspace, whether it's the office or whether it's out and about, Try to improve your work habitat so that it's a happy place for you, a happy space where you feel secure, where you feel comfortable, where you feel rewarded, where you feel happy. A space that feels fun and secure and consistent and reliable. And I promise you, it will make a huge, huge difference. So there we are. Um, Look, I want to thank you so much. It's been wonderful to chat. Please tell your friends about the podcast subscribe please give us an honest review go and have a great week keep it simple okay easy peasy get that to-do list going everything's on there and then you just delete as you go along Uh, deadlines work out what those deadlines are never come unstuck with a bureaucratic deadline ever again and that will put you in the top five percent which is what this show is all about Have a great week and I'll see you soon.